In this episode, we drive fast in the left lane with Dr. Carol Kelly, Oak Park Elementary District 97 Superintendent in Illinois. Leading from a very progressive position, Carol talks about all things, her background, and how she came to be a superintendent, an unlikely path. Well, Carol, it's nice to spend some time with you today. I've really been fascinated with recent discussions uh, with superintendents like yourself that are really exploring some very progressive ways to advance their district. And with that being the Mm -hmm. backdrop, I would love to get your take on the community of uh, the superintendency position around the U.S. And if you think that it is um, growing closer um, than it may have in the past, and maybe that's a result of uh, social media or conferences, but it just seems that there's a, a growing community of superintendents that are leaning and learning from each other. Yeah, I think uh, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I have, um, this is my fifth year as a superintendent, and I had the pleasure of being in a cohort um, of superintendents through a national superintendent program with the AASA. So my impression uh, would be uh, just one or two years prior to um, that association of uh, certainly having a community within the superintendents that were right near my town where I served um, in that same county. Um, But I think now for sure I have a network of peers that are across the country. And it really began with the uh, program, uh, the National Superintendents Program. Uh, But through that, uh, after we completed that work, we began to um, stay connected with each other through things like Boxer or uh, Twitter. Um, and uh, I can now, if I have a question that comes up uh, that, you know, in my day-to-day work, I can go to any of those, um, those vehicles and I could put that question out. And within, you know, not even 20 minutes, I have like various contacts and resources that I could turn to. Um, so I think it's the use of uh, social media as well as the, um, the desire and like really understanding that the learning has to take place within a network in order to not just learn and grow, but, but to also move your district forward. And that's really nice to hear. One, I think it's very interesting when we think about uh, our local superintendents, you know, being on Voxer or Twitter and, and reaching out. I always think that that's interesting when we can think about uh, leadership uh, taking such a personal approach to their job. I think that's very refreshing and it's nice to hear. You know, one of the topics, Carol, that I have heard repeatedly uh, with regards to district leadership uh, centers on progressive ways to look at resource uh, development for a district and the ways in which, you know, superintendents are looking at the private sector whether it's in uh, increasing funds that can help to support a district or offset a budget shortfall or to bring in you know, human capital to provide, um, to be a resource in and of itself to the, to the greater school community. How have you looked uh, in Oak Park at integrating in the private sector to help support um, you know, kind of what you're looking at when you're running the district with your team? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in fact, my district is uh, running uh, two referenda um, questions on Tuesday, April 4th, and uh, one of the things that we have begun to discuss is, um, you know, what happens the day after the election, um, whether or not it fails. 
Um, and it is certainly forming uh, partnerships within the community around our goals and our initiatives, whether it is um, trying to maintain uh, the arts, you know, because we want to focus on the whole child um, and having uh, relationships with uh, community groups that do, that do a lot of uh, fundraising. Um, we have one uh, community group uh, in Oak Park, which provides um, uh, instruments and um, lessons to students uh, that come from families that are unable to unable to afford, you know, such such luxuries. Um, to um, uh, groups that are. <clears throat> um, using uh, various resources in town to be able to bring um, speakers um, for professional uh, development for, for our staff. So I think, you know, part of the superintendent's role is trying to um, create opportunities for, again, going back to the network, trying to create those opportunities where we can um, bring those resources together, whether there are financial resources or human resources or technology resources um, to supplement the finances that the district has for running their um, normal uh, daily uh, operations or uh, for the capital improvements that are necessary to keep up our facilities as well. You know, Carol, you mentioned the, the project uh, bringing in instruments with uh, families uh, in need um, and to support them from a resource and an opportunity perspective. Let's go a little bit deeper into the sort of the family or the community side of that. We're seeing more and more, and I think we can both agree that it's a good sign, uh, we're seeing students take ownership of their learning. And I think the result has now been placed in all of our hands to figure out the best way to not only document that learning, but to communicate it back to mom, dad, community, you know, caregiver, um, and really sort of the, the new family in America that we have today where we have lots of different and varied supports. And how have you looked at communicating it back in a way that is both supportive and also accurate to reflect uh, an engaged student and child within a given school in your district? Yeah, that, that is another great question. Um, so it has to begin, um, I believe, uh, with what the district most values in terms of making the decision on what to communicate, right? Um, so in Oak Park, one of the things that I did with my uh, listening tour when I first came is to really um, unpack the values of the community by doing listening tours and gathering that information, working with um, an advisory team that, you know, had diverse stakeholders, students, teachers, administrators, board members, community members, and we have um, uh, now uh, four key terms that we're focusing on because uh, we, we have said through that, that listening tour that D97 uh, aspires to create positive learning environments that are inclusive, equitable, and focused on the whole child. So we have aligned those four key terms with um, those elements from the vision or goals, and we have metrics that are helping us to see where we are from the student's perspective. And that's really what we plan to communicate to our community, to parents, to students themselves. Um, so whether it is, um, and it's a variety of metrics, you know, it's not just the, the, the academics, how students are doing on, you know, uh, certain segments of the park exam, or um, we also use other 
universal screeners like um, math assessments, but it's also talking to students and asking them, you know, when you're at school, do you feel that you belong? When you're at school, do you feel that your teacher is challenging you? Um, so we, we use a survey tool with our students. It's called Education for the Future. Um, we look at attendance data. You know, um, we, we, we are looking at um, various metrics to try to get a full picture um, of a student um, and also looking for ways to celebrate our students. What are, what are the assets? What are the strengths that they're bringing uh, to us in the classroom? Um, so I think it begins with, you know, the district recognizing what is it that we value? What is it that, you know, when students graduate from our system, what are the things that we want um, to be able to say that that student is able to, to demonstrate or those things that we want students to experience? And based on those values, based on those things, I believe that's where the district from the classroom to the school to the district level needs to communicate um, either to the, the community at large, to the school community, to the, the individual parents and students. Um, and I think that communication um, begins with, like I said, our students and really involving our students um, in that. So for example, at our two middle schools, and we're hoping to um, roll this down to all of our schools, um, our students have a learner profile. They know and they can identify what their strengths are. Um, and they also know what things that they need to do um, to, to work on. Um, so when our parents come in at our middle schools and they sit down with the teacher, the student is there as well. And the student is helping to lead those conversations um, with their parents around their, their strengths, their assets, but also around the things that they want to learn and things that they want to, to work on. All of our eighth graders, before they, um, I'm in an elementary district, so before they graduate from our system and go off to uh, another uh, school district, which is where they attend high school, um, they have to uh, do some type of um, uh, project, an eighth grade project, and that project is based around, you know, all of the things that they've learned since they since they have been in Oak Park Elementary School District, but really uh, tuning into what they're most passionate and interested in, because we believe that our role is to elicit and nurture the the quote unquote giftedness of all of our students, and you know, a part of students giftedness or assets that they bring to us are their interests and their passions. So we, we find that these eighth grade projects allow them to um, be self-directed in their learning, have choice, but also pull together everything that they've learned to contribute back to their school or, you know, to Oak Park or to society at large. Carol, I have to say, and I hope the audience experiences this as well, is that you know what I sense from you, which I think is great, is that you are you are proactive and not reactive. I mean, you 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 lead from the left lane. Is that a fair assessment of the, of the passion that you have in your role? Uh, I definitely am very passionate about the role. I'm very passionate about the things that the potential that schools have of truly making a difference for each and every student that comes through our doors. Um, I 
I, I've, I've not heard that description before, but I will uh, definitely count that as a compliment. Thank you very much for that. I, oh, it, it, I, I, it should definitely be taken that way. Let's talk a little bit about your story um, and, and get a little bit more personal about that and your, the process you went through. Because I think one of, the, one of the stories that we're not hearing a lot about is in the lack of diversity in the representation of superintendents around the country. And I had a great opportunity to speak with some aspiring superintendents, uh, minorities at the conference uh, in New Orleans. And I think the AASA does a wonderful job of um, supporting all interested parties who want to provide leadership at the district level. Uh, but I also heard uh, you know, a number of, of folks talking about you know, a system that's very challenged in that regard. I mean, when we're talking about only two, or two to three percent um, that are minorities serving in the superintendent position, that to me says that we are not accurately representing the very communities that we're serving around the U.S. What is your perspective on that? Uh, that, I think for me personally, I can't speak for other people, uh, I never would have imagined that I would be serving as a superintendent. Uh, first of all, I think it's, um, I, I would have to say that I did not go to college to even become a teacher. So I went to college, uh, you know, my major undergrad from University of Penn was uh, engineering. I was a systems engineering uh, major, graduated, did that for a couple of years. And when I went back to graduate school, it was to get my MBA to come back to, you know, the firm that I was with. I took a two-year sabbatical. And I ended up after um, finishing uh, UVA um, going to, an, I was recruited and worked for another uh, company in brand management. And it was through working at, um, this is a weird story, but it was through working uh, with Johnson & Johnson that a group of friends and I, we just did like these book studies. And there was one book written by an author, I can't remember his name, um, I think it was Kanwant, um, I can't pronounce his name, but the book was basically about this premise of um, fourth grade um, boys, uh, black boys, who loved school until they got to fourth grade and then something seemed to happen. And that really resonated with me. Um, and so much so that I began to wonder about my own background I you know I'm here I am this kid that grew up in North Philadelphia which was when I came up was not you know an incredibly uh, safe place to live per se but I always felt safe I always felt protected in the neighborhood my teachers were phenomenal they were inspirational and I began to wonder like why why, you know, did I get the break that I did? You know, I, I, I received a full scholarship to University of Penn, and I really began to wonder about all the other kids that went to public schools and whether or not the schools had um, as much of a transformation, transformational um, um, process for them as it did for me. And that was really like, you know, the start of my quest to really help those kids. Um, New Jersey had um, a, a, a thing called alternate route. And um, after my quest, I, I landed um, as a teacher through the alternate route process and uh, spent the first seven years in the classroom, but always trying to do my best 
to make sure that each child in that school, wherever I served, had access and opportunities to things that would, again, help to transform their lives. Um, and I think it was through like wanting um, a, a larger platform that I moved from the classroom teacher, do you know what I mean, to mm -hmm. uh, an administrator. And so I've been an assistant principal at the middle school level, assistant principal at the elementary school level. So I've never, I've never sought a role. What I was seeking first and foremost is just the opportunity to help shape schools to you know, be that potential um, that we know that public schools um, can, can have on the lives of students. So when I think of what public schooling did for me, um, not just for my life, but think about my children, my children's children, for generations to come, my family is so different because of the role that my teachers and the role that public schools had on my life. And for me, it has only been about doing the same thing in the lives of other children. So I would say to anyone listening to, you know, this interview, um, minority, non-minority, it really doesn't matter, um, to follow your passion and your interests. And I think that will open the doors for you. Uh, and that regardless of what role you're in, whether it's a teacher or assistant principal or supervisor, a superintendent, board member, parent, community member, whatever your role is, to use your passion and interest to make, to make your, um, to make your um, work work for others. Well, you are clearly setting the pace for others to aspire to and leading from the left lane with grace and passion. It's been really great, Carol, to catch up with you and continued success. Uh, those kids and those families are lucky to have you in your community. Thank you so much. Thank you so much as well.